Hello, everyone. Welcome to Conversations with the Co-op. This is where we source questions from the Index Co-op community to gain insights from today's leaders in crypto and DeFi. I'm your host, Crypto Texan, and today we have Scoopy Truples, the co-founder of the Alchemex Protocol, with us here today. Scoopy, thanks for being here with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, Scoopy, let's just get started with your background and how did you get into crypto? So my background was I was in a completely different field before I even knew what crypto was. And I had been doing that for a number of years. I don't want to get into exactly what it was. I'll just say I was in the education field. But yeah, I won't go into much detail about that. I got into Bitcoin around uh, 2016 and fell down the rabbit hole, as you know, it was customary to do. I really started geeking out about it and reading everything I possibly could and absorbing as much information. It naturally led me to Ethereum and, you know, participating in ICOs and, and things like that. I think by the end of 2017, you know, like everything was pumping at that point, but I was just obsessed with it. Like, that's all I could think about day and night was crypto and the immense potential of it. And I started playing around with dabs at that time, like CryptoKitties and a few other things really started coming out because that's when MetaMask was like launched and you could actually, you know, do things without using the Mist browser. And, you know, I just became really enamored with it. And I was like imagining all the possible possibilities for mobile money and smart contracts. And I decided to take a leap of faith and quit my job in the education field and learn how to program because I wanted to be part of building you know, out Ethereum and Web3 and things like that. Beginning of 2018, I started learning how to code. And a little over two years later, you know, um, I was approached by, uh, uh, you know, one of my friends in the space and he had an idea for an app to build. And he's like, can you make me a front end? And then one thing led to another and it turned into Alchemix. Wow. So were you involved in any other crypto related projects before you became involved in Alchemix? just hanging out in discords and and talking game theory and design with a you know like different friends in the space for a number of times and lots of designs to make things but you know they all fizzled out until alchemics came along okay and i want to talk about names for a second you know why did you choose the name scoopy truples and uh, why was the protocol named alchemics just wondering if there's any significance behind those names when I first made a Twitter handle, my normal handle that I use other places was not available. So like I was just kind of thinking about what name could I use? And I had a, a Dungeons and Dragons character I made one time and its name was uh, Scooby Trooples. And I decided to just go ahead and use that name. And <laughs> it seemed like it was pretty good. A lot of people, you know, like to have fun with my name. I know David Hoffman from Bankless, you know, you know he always says like, just like saying it out loud and he'll just like laugh to himself as he says it. You know, I kind of like the name. It's just stuck. And now it's too late to change it. Yeah, it's definitely too late now. And I was listening to the the Gabriel Haynes podcast that you were on not that long ago. And I think he said, is it Scoops or Scooper? And you said, it's neither one of those. I don't know what you're talking about. I just thought that was really funny. Gabriel is a troll. Yes. <laughs> the first time I did a podcast with him, he introduced me as Shoopy Trooples. So ever since then, it's been a running gag for him to say my name wrong. Love that. Yeah, we had him on this show once and he was a great time. Yeah, love Gabriel and love his Twitter also. But yeah, let's let's get into Alchemix a little bit. Uh, so you oh, talked about the name for Alchemix if you want. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, go ahead. 
we were called uh, cheese pie because like uh, the original iteration of Alchemix was a lot different than what it is now. And the idea was that you would have like, you know, this yield derivative that would then be used like a, you know, as like kind of like a token to be used in games, like in DeFi and stuff. Naturally made me think like, oh, it's like one of those Chuck E. Cheese tokens, you know, because they have like their own, like you put in your quarters at Chuck E. Cheese and then they give you like their, you know, their own tokens for their arcades and you have to use those tokens in their arcades. So I was like, oh, this is just like a Chuck E. Cheese token. And it's like, oh, Cheese Fi, D, uh, DeFi, Cheese Fi. Oh, that's pretty cool. And like Yam came out and Sushi came out and all the terrible things with the food coins and the million derivative clones came out. We're like, nah, but we shouldn't be a food coin at this point. <laughs> and uh, the app itself had changed quite a bit. And one of the contracts that we had was called the uh, the transmuter. And we were like, well, be, you know, because it kind of like changes one thing for another, transmutes it to a different coin. It's our peg stability module. You know, we we're like, let's do something alchemy themed then. And we we're thinking about it. And it's like, you know, it's alchemy and they're synthetic tokens. And then one day in the shower, I was just like, Eureka, it's Alchemix, you know. And then I just ran up to the teams like, it's, it's Alchemix, guys. It's Al- Alchemix. And then like a week later, they're like, okay, yes, it's Alchemix. So it's kind of a combination of alchemy and synthetics, I yes. guess. Ah, that's clever. That's clever. Does Kane know this? Does Kane know that you stole this from him? I don't know if he knows it, but, you know, he should be happy because in our Al-Eth LP pool, we have S-Eth in there. So, you know, and we've been giving Alchemics rewards for, you know, basically to the synthetics e- ecosystem for a little while now. But Kane should be happy with us. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that he is. So, uh... Yeah, so what went into fa- you kind of talked about it a little bit. You were cheese fi and I I kind of remember cheese fi if I you know if I think back to you know what like 2 years ago. I was teasing a bit at the time like a little over uh, a little less than 2 years ago. I was teasing about it quite a bit. Yeah. So yeah, what went into founding Alchemix? Like what how did you identify this need in the market? A lot of experimentation. So the original idea for CheeseFi is having this yield derivative where you can get uh, get your future uh, yield now. That was something that we thought was really powerful and was something we wanted to explore. And and the CheeseFi model, essentially how it worked is you would deposit, you know, DAI or another stable coin, and then you would choose to lock it between like 10 and 100 days. And then based on how many days you locked and how many stable coins you deposited, you would get this cheese token in, in return. And then the contract would then like put all those stable coins into, you know, sources of yield and then use that yield to buy the cheese token off the market. And this would, you know, be composed with like Uniswap and, and things like that and Yearn and Idle Finance. And we did a lot of research and a lot of modeling on it and, did a, you know, learned about like sandwich attacks and MEV and everything like that. And we just realized that this model would get destroyed by, um, you know, MEV bots. And we thought it would be a bad idea to do it in the long run. It would just, you know, not be good for anybody. So we went back to the drawing board and we modeled so many different things. and had so many different designs until we finally got to this one that was like for Alchemics. And like everybody on our team just really liked it. We decided to go forward with it. Like you felt like that idea fit the culture of what you were trying to do? Or, or what do you mean by that? This is the whole idea of getting your future yield up front. And but we turn that into a CDP system with a stable coin instead of trying to make you know a fancy yield derivative out of it. And I think that 
the bare, just the, the simplicity of that, you know, makes it really accessible. Like there's other products like in the market that try to do derivatives with yield, like something like an AP wine or an element and things like that. And they're good projects in their own right, but you know, they're kind of limited in the users who will adopt it because it requires a lot of savvy just to be able to use the, the platform and know like how to trade these derivatives. Whereas ours is like, hey, you're sticking your money and you can borrow from your future yield now. And it's like, you know, stable and a stable coin. So I think it just made a lot more sense to do it that way for the end user, at least. Yeah, that makes sense. And let's try to get a little more higher level and just like a background on what Alchemix is. And, you know, I, I think the meme for Alchemix is self-repaying loans, which you've kind of touched on a little bit. But I was just wondering, you can just give like a high level and then just kind of dig into that meme a little bit. So the way that Alchemix works um, is that you deposit DAI into Alchemix. So this is just for LUSD. You deposit DAI into Alchemix, and then Alchemix will then batch all the DAI that has been deposited over the last couple of days and put that into urn. And it will be um, earning yield this entire time while your, your deposit is in there. And then once you have a deposit, you can then borrow off of it like a CDP system like MakerDAO. And since it's a stable to stable asset, so you're using a stable coin to borrow a stable coin, essentially, we don't need to have liquidations in our system. The system assumes that DAI equals $1 for the purposes of the system. In the meantime, like your, if you borrow LUSD, you have debt then at that point, right? So you're borrowing your future yield from yourself. Then that yearn, all that interest that's coming from yearn, actually is used to pay off your debt. So that's where the self-repaying loan happens. So like, you know, if the interest rate is is like 10% and you took out like a max loan, which is 50% LTV, the, the expected payoff or pay, uh, repayment date would be five years after you, you take that loan. In Alchemix, you're not locked into that position. You can repay your debt at any time and you can use AlUSD or DAI uh, to do that. Or you can even use your own collateral and liquidate yourself. The only liquidations in Alchemix are done by users onto themselves as a way to, you know, get exit uh, or to pay off their debt so they can withdraw the rest of their collateral. All this money that's going towards repaying debt, at least when it's used in DAI, that's through like yield harvest or when people repay and die, that goes into our peg stability module, which is our transmitter, where you can deposit LUSD and then get DAI one-to-one for it. Although it does take a lot longer, it's like a slower drip, and that's on purpose. But the guarantee is always there that, you know, if LUSD ever depegs from the markets, you can always put it in the transmitter and get one-to-one for it. So I guess the transmuter is essentially how USD maintains its peg to a dollar, correct? It's one of the mechanisms, yes. Okay. And I, I'm wondering uh, a couple of questions on that. So if I have DAI and I deposit it and I don't borrow against it in Alchemix, it's still being mm-hmm. batched to the urine protocol and earning interests, correct? So what happens in that scenario is your principal does not grow, but you'll be getting an LUSD credit for when you deposit into there. So like let's say you put in, you know, a hundred thousand and you don't borrow anything and you wait like a month and then you come back a month later and you know you see that you have like instead of being able to borrow fifty thousand, you can now borrow like fifty-three thousand or something like that. So if you borrow just that amount that was like your credit, 
then that's basically no debt at all. You would just be able to take that out and then trade it freely or convert it in the transmitter. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And so I'm wondering if, you know, if you're assuming DAI has has a $1 value for simplicity's sake in the protocol, why is the max borrowing amount against that DAI 50%? Like, why would it not be higher than that? That was uh, done because if somebody can borrow more than 50%, or basically when somebody borrows, like they can do a loop where they can borrow LUSD, sell it for DAI, then put it back into Alchemix, borrow more from that, and repeat the process again and again. At 50% LTV, the max leverage they can get is 2x. If we did like 66% LTV, that would be 3x. So it's basically like the inverse of you know the fraction there is like how much leverage you can have. So if it was like 20, 75% LTV, you could leverage 4x. You know, if it's 90%, you can leverage 9x, et cetera, et cetera. And the idea behind limiting this number was that um, if, to, if a lot of people use that strategy, it's essentially going to benefit the early users of it to the detriment of new entrants into Alchemix because it could result in a depegging if too many people do it. Okay, yeah, that makes sense too. And so you mentioned that. Go ahead. An aspect of loan repayment times that we want to be cognizant of. And if somebody, you know, in a hundred thousand dollars and borrows ninety thousand off of it, you know, even with like a you know a high interest rate, that's going to take a long time to pay off. So also like kind of keeping that in mind. Right, and it's just and so these loans are zero percent interest, but mm-hmm. the interest received from the collateral that you post goes towards repaying the loan. And mm-hmm. are there any terms? Um, like, are there any maturity dates of these loans? No. No, there's no lockups, no minimum time at all. You could get in, borrow some LUSD, be in there for you know a day, a week, however long you want to, repay, and then get out. Or wait for your debt to be paid off and get out. It's really flexible. And that's, I think, one of the big powers of Alchemix work, as opposed to these kind of like structured yield derivatives that are out there because they always have some time component to them, whereas Alchemix, you know, it doesn't. It's very flexible. Yeah, that's incredible, actually. So you said one of the ways that LUSD maintains this peg is through this transmuter where you can deposit the LUSD and get a get died back. What other mechanisms are in place to, I guess, assist in maintaining that peg? That's like the core like peg stability module that we have, you know, using, you know, people's interest payments as a peg stability, you know, or feeding the peg stability module through, you know, debt repayments. Another one is like if LUSD goes, you know, under the peg, then there's strong incentive to buy it off the market to repay your loan on a discount. We recently saw that actually defend the Abracadabra MIM peg. It was slipping, it almost got, I think, got down to like 97 cents. But since like it was such a discount for people to pay off their loans, at that point they started buying it and then that raised the, you know, raised the price of it back to like 99 point something cents. So that's one peg stability me- mechanism, and that's something that all CDP platforms have. And then the other one that we have is, you know, just you know, typical DeFi stuff where we incentivize liquidity, and that that helps. You know, having deeper pools helps you have, um, you know, more stability on the peg, and more utility because somebody you know, it's theoretic that somebody could go into Alchemix right now, borrow ten million LUSD, 
and then you know swap that to USDC, you know, and maybe like you know they'll they'll have to pay the you know, the four basis points curve you know trading fee, and then whatever tiny little bit amount of slippage there is on curve. But basically, you could you know borrow ten million dollars and swap it for like nine point nine 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 million dollars on curve. So that's I think pretty enticing. Okay, yeah, all that makes sense too. And so. I guess what other assets are available to borrow and lend on the Alchemix protocol? And I know y'all are about to release V2 of the protocol, mm -hmm. and I think that's going to add some additional collateral types. Yeah, just what are those collateral types? And if you want to just kind of touch on V2. In version one of Alchemix, we have an AlUSD and AlETH product. AlUSD only takes DAI and uses the urine strategy for it, and, and AlETH only takes ETH. And then also uses the urine weath strategy for that. And that's where we're at right now. Very soon, we're going to be launching V2. And uh, V2 is going to allow for multi-collateral deposits into um, Alchemix. And also uh, more strategy selection as well. So right now, people can only put in dye, and then that automatically goes to urine. Whereas in, in V2... We know that we're going to be launching with DAI, USDC, and USDT. We'd be looking at other decentralized stablecoins as well. But right now, I think just for launch, we're going to keep it simple with the you know the three curve assets. The launch is also only going to have urine, but we have Ave and Compound strategies uh, that are under audit actually right now, and we hope to get those out sometime in March or April. So that will open up strategies to yearn and compound, but also anything that shares the same kind of design patterns as A tokens or C tokens. So imagine something like Rare Fuse that would become compatible with Alchemix. And for like A tokens, something like Stake ETH, you know, Lido Stake ETH would also become available in Alchemix because of that. So those are going to be some really big upgrades that we're looking forward to releasing shortly after V2 launch. And one of the cool things about like V2 is, yeah, you can have different collaterals and different strategies, and you can kind of build your own yield aggregator that way. And the neat thing is that you don't have to like, you don't, if you have multiple collaterals and multiple strategies, you don't have a vault for every single one of them. There's going to be one vault for Al USD, one vault for Al ETH, one vault for any other Al token we might have in the future as well. So like if you put in DAI, USDC, USDT, and some other coins, and they all went, you know, and they all had different strategies, you know, you wouldn't be, you would be able to borrow off of the, like the grand total of what you have deposited. It would be like a composite. Yeah, that does make sense. So how did y'all decide for V2 from a composability standpoint? How did you decide to incorporate Ave compound and urine. I guess y'all were already doing urine with V1, but how did that decision process, what took place in that decision process? Well, we decided to focus on those two strategies immediately because they would have big payoffs beyond the urine or not beyond the um, Ave and compound ecosystems because a lot of, you know, them being trailblazers, a lot of other protocols have copied them or used their design patterns. So, by, by selecting those strategies to go with and, and to implement, it opens up a lot more strategies than just, you know, Aave and, and Compound. And so we thought that would be the most bang for our buck, you know, when we had this looming audit engagement ahead of us. So we thought that was the, 
the best use of resources at the moment. Also working on a Curve LP strategy as well. So, you know, all the different uh, Curve LPs, like, you know, Frax Curve, like M Curve, not LUSD Curve, but I don't think we'd take LUSD as collateral. But, you know, th those types of pools will, um, and those LP tokens will eventually become uh, collateral types on Alchemix, which will allow us to plug into convex strategies. And I think there's also going to be like another protocol built on top of convex. And uh, we should be in the position to be able to uh, get on top of that as well. This sounds like the most. DeFi 2.0 protocol of all the DeFi 2.0 protocols, because it sounds like y'all are just incorporating and building on top of everything. That's the goal. We want to be the, the top stack of DeFi. So like whatever protocols are out there that you really like that offer good yields for stable coins or other assets, we want to be able to implement them in Alchemix because why I mean like, yeah, it's good to be in those protocols, but wouldn't it also be good to be in those protocols, but also have CDP functionality on top of it? And that's kind of like where we're going with it. Why would you be in Convex if you can be in Alchemix, get the same yield as Convex, but also yeah, be able to borrow off of it? I think that's powerful. Right. And you also talked about incorporating uh, Lido staked ETH. So is ALST ETH, is that a yep. potential token in the future? It would just be AL ETH because it's multi-collateral. So especially once the merge happens and the uh, state transitions happen on ETH2, you know, STETH is essentially the same thing as ETH at that point. Because you can, you know, swap between the two of them with a very little delay. So anytime that, like, the STETH price, you know, slips or goes under that of ETH, the, like, the arbitrage is there and it's going to be rebalanced. So for all intents and purposes, we, we think that it is a good enough asset. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it would be it would just be Al ETH with a multi-collateral aspect mm -hmm. of it. And are the reasons you chose you already have DAI, but then also incorporating USDC and USDT, is that because of the curve pool that's there? It's because it's the largest total addressable market that there is. More people hold USDC and, and USDT than any other stable coin out there. And so we can address a huge you know, amount of people in DeFi by having those assets. There's also a lot of trust with USDC, much less with Tether. But I mean, I'm of the opinion that if Tether blows up, like all of DeFi is going to blow up anyway. So it's kind of like uh, impossible to avoid it. So do you think Tether is the biggest risk to DeFi right now? Yes and no. Like I almost feel like if Tether like, comes out and says, hey, we don't even have $1 in our treasury, ha, 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 that it'll probably still trade at a dollar for a while just because so many people use it like that and like because of the insane efficiency of Curve. It'll probably take a while for it to be pegged, even if it's being like, you know, you know persecuted by the law or whatever. Like, yeah, I don't think Heather like, is going to implode. You know, there's just so many... There's so much like financial interest behind it. It might get like, you know, rolled into something else in the future. Like, you know, but I think that if the SEC or some other agency goes after them, they're going to do a lot more harm than good. That makes sense. And what, I don't know, what does keep you up at night from a macro perspective related to DeFi? Like, what is the biggest risk to DeFi as a whole right now, in your opinion? It would have to do like if basically if Congress like were to make a law that's saying like 
stable coins are illegal or something like that. That would be like a major blow. But other things like that, I feel like there's enough regulatory arbitrage that you can get around a lot of these things. It's also pretty apparent that the SEC is like imploding it right now. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, especially like with government agencies, if the change comes directly from them and not Congress, then it can be challenged, um, overruled and, you know, going to court and then you know there'll be years and years and years of litigation before there's like a, a, a you know resolution so I, I think we're fine for the next at least few years uh, like you know and i think even then like a few years from now you know, society will be in a place that i think is a lot more accepting of crypto yeah i i tend to agree with you there you also mentioned about you know potentially adding more stable coins in the future. What do you think are some of those uh, prospective stable coins that could be implemented into the Alchemix protocol? Probably the most attractive would be Frax. Like I, I think all of the decentralized stable coins not named Dai, it has probably the greatest chance of success at this point. And I don't know if that's because of adoption per se, but more so of mechanism design and protocol design. Because at Frax, they they have this really cool system. It's called an um, algorithmic market operator, AMO for short. And these AMOs, um, basically, like the the whole point of them is to increase the liquidity and depth of Frax, as long as it does not impact the price of Frax negatively. They define that the, the minimum peg for Frax is 99.8 cents per, per Frax measured in USDC. And so they have a curve convex AMO strategy where they, um, they can single side mint Frax into the pool as long as it doesn't make the price of Frax under 99.8 cents. Then they take that LP that they just, you know, got for depositing fracks, and then they put that into convex to, to farm with. And so they've been doing this for a while and amassing convex tokens and curve tokens, all the while, like, growing and growing and growing. I think they own, like, $1.3, $1.4 billion worth of LP in the Frax 3 curve pool in their AMO. And as a result, I think they're now the largest holder of CVX, at least the largest DAO holder of CVX at this point. And for the people who are not super in tune with the curve wars, CVX is used as a proxy to vote on the curve gauges. And the curve gauges um, are a system that directs rewards to different LPs and curves. So the more CV curve that you hold, the more you can. Um, direct curve and CVX rewards to your protocol. And since they have such a huge treasure trove of it and they own so much liquidity, like they are, yeah, they're in a very good position. And the cool thing about the AMO is that, yeah, they can use it to expand quite a bit. But if for some reason, um, you know, Frack starts dumping and its peg um, suffers, they can just withdraw the Frack single-sided from their AMO and burn it to rebalance it and bring it back to its peg. And since it's so deep and they own all of that, I really think it's going to be like, I can't imagine a situation where Frax depegs. So that's, <laughs> I know, a long answer, but I, I think Frax is really cool in that regard. Also, uh, Sam is a really cool guy. We're, you know, talk quite a bit. 
and them being able to, if like we can accept fracks, they can actually build an AMO strategy into Alchemics and then deposit a bunch of fracks into Alchemics, borrow LUSD with it, and then use that in our own like D3 pool. So we are in a pool with fracks and Fey. And so they can integrate their AMO stuff into Alchemics essentially and to the benefit of, of each protocol. And I think that's really cool. Other coins on my radar would be LUSD and Fey. And I like both of those for different reasons. I think LUSD is like the purest representation of what MakerDAO is trying to do. So only using ETH as collateral, it's very decentralized. Not even the front end is hosted by the, the protocol or team. So I think that's that's a good one. The only problem with LUSD is that uh, while it does have a like a mean average of a dollar, it does fluctuate quite a bit in, in that range. Uh, it can, you know, I've seen it go down as low as 98 cents and as high as a dollar and three. We would probably, like, if we accepted LUSD, we would probably just limit the amounts of deposit, uh, like, deposits into our strategies. Because if we have, like, because LUSD essentially takes on an aggregate of all the different collaterals for it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I'm surprised that uh, you haven't said Rye or, or, you know, Reflexor's Rye in there. Is there a reason Uh, for that? I just can't work with LUSD. Because we we only do mirrored assets, you know, so only stable coin like dollar peg stable coins can work with LUSD. Oh, that's right, and Rye finds its own peg, which is like three dollars and four cents right now, something like that. I think yeah, I love Rye. I think it's cool. Like you know, I you know, talked to you know the developers over there, and I really think what they're making is cool. The system that they have is really well thought out, and I definitely hold some Rye. Um, you know, I don't put my all my eggs in one basket, but yeah, like. It just wouldn't work with LUSD. The other one, Fey. I, I like Fey because they, you know, they're very similar to Frax in that, like, they have like, like the minting mechanism for it is controlled by the protocol, and they have a lot of protocol-owned liquidity and and value. But they're also like most of their, you know, backing, you know, is in Ethereum, right? So they have like the best asset. That is backing it. So it's very decentralized in that way, as far as like a collateral standpoint. And also like Joey and like even the Rary team and stuff like that, they're all just like really awesome and they're really good builders and super smart. So like I think those, you know, coins would all make a lot of sense to add to Alchemics. We were thinking about like Mim and Abracadabra, I'm adding that, but like with the recent like, you know, drama behind every, you know, seafood gate and and, you know, all this other stuff. I think it's a little bit more prudent to take a wait-and-see approach to see how that all plays out before we would uh, entertain adding that. And then UST is another coin that I think a lot of people would want, but I'm I'm very hesitant to employ, like, a cross-chain strategy that would take advantage of, like, the anchor yields and stuff just because of all the things that can go wrong in a cross-chain application. So that's kind of where we are with, like, I think... You know, Frax, Bay, LUSD kind of being the front runners for decentralized stable coins for right now. Um, and then everything else is, you know, basically up to our community, which ones will be accept. So we'll have to consult them and see what they want, analyze our risks, and then let them decide. Yeah, and you mentioned the MIM, Abracadabra, Sifu incident, and I feel like Anon's have been getting a little bit more heat lately in the space, at least on Twitter. And I just kind of wanted to get your take on, you know, your Anon and just wondering, 
why are are do you feel the need or or do you want to be anonymous and i don't know what what does it mean to be an anonymous co-founder in this space to you i mean i'm simply like i'm not trying to hide anything other than the fact that i i really just like my privacy i don't want people targeting me or treating me differently because they you know they perceive me as uh, wealthy or anything like that most of my close friends don't even know that I, I'm doing alchemics or anything like that. A lot of my family doesn't know that I'm doing alchemics. So like, I'm very, very private in that regard. I really just want to blend in and just not be disturbed and build in peace. Um, that's kind of my philosophy behind it. Whereas like, I think like the general perception about Anons, like, you know, I think it's kind of silly. I understand like why there is that perception. And I, I think it's very disheartening to see you know, some of these people on Twitter really, you know, trying to drive against Anons and, you know, disparage them and things like that. And just generally the the kind of, you know, new culture that's starting to, to form up in, in there where it's like, you know, this, uh, I don't want to say cancel culture, but it, it feels very much like that in the past week or so. You know, it's kind of disheartening to see that, especially with like, you know, people like Brantley, even though what he said was like kind of, you know, disgusting, the way he's treated people over the years has not been, you know, and he's also been a great builder. So it's like I'm very conflicted about all this stuff. And I, I think that like those same people who are trying to, you know, cancel Brantley and stuff like that are also the people who are trying to disparage Anons. And I, I, I mean, if that's the way it's going. That's the way it's going. But I think for Anons, the best thing that we can do now is try to be above the board increase transparency and you know prove it to people that that narrative is bs do you feel like i guess sifu and daniel over there at abracadabra do you feel like they had maybe too much power over that multi-sig and that may have ultimately been their downfall i mean i i do see that as oh go ahead danielle was doxed and i i think you know definitely if you're gonna have you know protocol making huge, you know, movements with funds and things like that, that, yeah, you should have a multi-sig. You can do that with a multi-sig easily. You get a nose to save, you know, get at least a, at least a two of three, you know, to make sure that person's not going to be running off the funds. Probably better to have like, you know, a four of seven or something like that instead. But it's really easy to set it up. You can set up a multi-sig and get everybody in there in a matter of minutes. Like there's no excuse not to. I was just kind of thinking of, do you follow Chris Black at all on Twitter? I mean, I know who Chris is. I don't follow him, though. I've had some a number of dicey encounters with him, so let's leave <laughs> with that. Yeah, he's he's very anti-multi-sig. I'm, and I'm I'm not. I just, you know, I'm just interested to hear your your perspective and your takes on on all of these yeah. topics. Full automation and trustlessness is the the dream and the desire, but like it's I would view like a multi-sig as a temporary crutch. And, you know, people might think that's like a bad statement, but when you think about it, crutches help you walk. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, until like all these systems can be automated um, and stuff like that, that, that it's, it's fine as a transitory thing for, um, for DAOs to use. As long as the DAOs are, you know, respecting the will of the token holders and they're not going off and doing rogue things. You know, and they're you know very much adhering to the you know the authorization of what the DAO says. Um, then I think that that's fine. 
better yet, you can um, use like a compound governa uh, governator contract or even safe snap. And then that'll be, you know, a, an extra level of trustlessness that you can add to governance. Interesting. Well, yeah, we'll change gears here uh, away from those topics. And you were speaking about the curve wars earlier. And I, I've also noticed that Alchemix has a relationship now with uh, Tokamek. So I guess y'all are involved in the curve wars, too. Is that is that fair to say? Well, that's the Tokamak Wars, man. That's a that's a different battlefield. Oh yeah, that's that is the Tokamak Wars. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. let's. Yeah. Well, can you explain uh, what that is? Okay, so Tokamak is a protocol that aims to be a decentralized market maker. So right now, like you know, for DEXs, you know, like they're automatic automatic market makers. You have to put in two sides of collateral, like you know, in Uniswap you know, equally distributed. So 50-50 ETH and something else, for example. And then it uses a very, very simple, you know, algorithm to, you know, provide liquidity and conduct trades and everything. Whereas Tokamak is trying to abstract all that away for the end. So you would just deposit whatever coin that you have. It could be, you know, they have ETH, they have a bunch of different stable coins, including LUSD. Um, they have a bunch of other like DeFi tokens. Alchemics, Frax, Synthetics, Sushi, and a bunch of others as well. And so you would deposit any of those assets single-sided into Tokamak. And then Tokamak has integrations into multiple different DEXs in DeFi, including Curve, Uniswap V2, SushiSwap, Balancer, and I think they're going to have 0x soon. And you know the list is only going to grow and grow and grow. And then basically all you have like all these different pools with all these different tokens that are deposited into them. Then the, the token holders can then determine where these go, like what DEXs that they, these uh, assets go into. So like if a lot of people voted for Alchemix to be on, let's say, Balancer, they would uh, pair balance or they would pair ALCX with ETH on Balancer and then supply liquidity because they have both ALCX and ETH. You know, it, it basically abstracts everything away. And then also, like, like since like TOKE is like a very much similar to curve, like V curve or CVX in, in the way that it can direct emissions. So this has like kind of like two facets to it. One is that you uh, you can boot like if you stake your token on one of these reactors or one of these like pools of uh, capital that boosts the rewards uh, the token rewards for depositing. So if I deposit ALCX, I can earn token, right? And the more token that votes for ALCX, the more token you get per ALCX that is deposited into Tokamak. And the second layer of it is that the token that's voted for there can actually direct which dexes it goes to. So that way, you know, it can direct liquidity. And they have sort of like this overflow pool as well. So like, you know, when you're like adding liquidity to a protocol and stuff like that, there is kind of like a Goldilocks zone of the right amount of liquidity. If you have too little, then the, the trades are going to be suffer too much slippage from, you know, illiquidity. And if there's too much liquidity, then you know, there's not going to be any volatility or price action, and then that's going to be very unattractive to traders. So you have to kind of get the sweet spot where there's enough liquidity that can facilitate trades of all sizes, but also allow there for there to be some volatility as well. So like, 
Yeah. So it's important not to over or under incentivize. So they have these kind of overflow pools. So like there's like when you deposit ALCX, you get a receipt token back called TALCX. And it takes one week to unstake from Tokamak with, uh, you know, the, the T asset. But they're going to have curve pools that are stable with the, the canonical asset and then the T assets. So for example, TALCX, ALCX on curve. And so that that's going to help people get in and out of the T tokens faster and make them more composable. But at the same time, you know, if, if too much liquidity is getting directed, you know, to SushiSwap or Uniswap or, you know, the other... DEXs and stuff like that, you can actually vote to put it into this kind of overflow pool, which then, you know, kind of sidelines it, but in a way without like any potential for impermanent loss. So, you know, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, it sounds like y'all are very, y'all are being very strategic about partnerships in how you utilize your treasury as well. So what, yeah. I mean, just like, what, what is the treasury makeup look like of Alchemix? And how is like how diversified is the treasury right now? It's getting more and more diversified by the day. So let me take a look at Zapper real quick, and I'll look at our operational. So we have like a big treasure trove of uh, ALCX tokens that uh, the DAO controls, and those are largely out of circulation. And um, at the moment, they're basically only used to facilitate like external farms. But even then, like like that amount in the treasury gets replenished through our own like kind of staking contract that we have because like you know if we we're going to say oh you know, we needed 2000 ALCX to go to the sushi swap owns and pool basically we're going to make it so that we'll get 2000 ALCX rewards for that period from our other staking contract and that'll go to replenish the DAO so we have ALCX in there in quite a bit a lot of that's reserved for like bug bounties and also it could be for you know future ecosystem development stuff Aside from that, we've been you know, very actively trying to acquire protocol-owned liquidity and other assets and diversifying our treasury. So it's not just ALCX. So we have about 180,000 CVX tokens, which is roughly $5 million at this point. And CVX helps us direct liquidity to get rewards on uh, various curve pools that we have. We have 130,000 TOKE tokens, uh, so that's roughly around $5 million, and that helps us direct liquidity on Tokamak. We have decent amounts of CVX curve because we've had LP in Convex for a while, so our LP positions in there are AlUSD3 curve and the um, AlETH you know, factory pool as well, and we have between those two, around uh, $9 million in liquidity that is um, protocol-owned um, and staking in Convex. We also have our own with pool two, like ETH Alchemic Sushi Swap, and we own around, um, around $4.5 million of that LP, which is roughly, uh, I think, 6 or 7% of our entire uh, sushi swap market. We've been diversifying quite a bit, and that's you know helping our bottom line quite a bit as well. But also more strategically is the acquisition of CVX and TOKE, because that will ultimately allow us to uh, maintain or grow liquidity in the face of our disinflationary uh, emissions. Yeah, it sounds like y'all are one of the more 
diversified treasuries that I've come across just talking on this show. And I don't know, I think that says a lot just about, you know, the protocol as a going concern and just the stability that you can provide into the future. And I know we got started a little late. Did you have a hard stop at the hour or or can you go for like one or two more questions? I'm, I'm fine. We're good. Okay. Yeah. So my next question, I guess, related to the treasury is, you know, what other, you know, protocol, I guess, protocol specific revenue drivers does Alchemix have? Like, how does the protocol specifically drive revenue uh, into the treasury? So we have uh, two ways right now. We'll have a third way I'll talk about in a second. So first is whenever there is a, um, a yield harvest that goes on in the Alchemix system, which is used for like debt repayments, 10% of that is uh, taxed by the, the protocol and that goes you know towards a protocol revenue. The majority of that is used to, not the majority, but about half of that is used for like operational things like, um, you know, paying some contractors, um, audit costs, um, infrastructure costs and stuff like that. And then the rest that we have, that's like kind of surplus that we just roll that over into our protocol and liquidity and add LP to our, our you know, pools. You know, because we get die and we get eat. So we just throw that into our LPs so we can increase the depth and then farm with it so we can, you know, have those be productive. So that's one area that we are earning. The other one is uh, Olympus Pro and where we are you know, selling ALCX bonds in order to raise uh, different funds. That's how we're getting our, um, our sushi swap liquidity. We've also, we, we have a modest amount of DAI and ETH that we are acquiring that way to add liquidity for you know, our AlUSD and AlETH products. And then we are aggressively acquiring CVX this way. And uh, we just started trying to get some toke this way as well. That's how we're mainly diversifying our treasury. Instead of like, you know, actually just like selling ALCX on the open market, I think that might be a lot really spooky. And also, you know, it would have to be done in big chunks, whereas Olympus Pro is like a very slow drip. And, you know, it also presents a lot of opportunities for, for people who are aligned in our ecosystem. So we like Olympus Pro for those reasons. And as far as Tope goes, when we got our pair reactor with Tokamak, we did a $3 million DAO-to-DAO token swap. And since then, we've been, you know, using Tokamak and directing our liquidity and staking with it. And our treasury also deposited um, ALCX into Tokamak. So we hold some TALCX and we have a a TALCX staking pool on Alchemix. Where normally if you hold TLCX, you would get TOKE rewards. But we worked it out with Tokamak where if somebody deposits the TLCX into our staking contract, that our DAO will end up getting that TOKE rewards and um, in exchange, stakers will get more ALCX. So uh, that's we've been able to amass a lot of uh, Tokamak because of uh, these efforts. Yeah, absolutely. And from a governance standpoint, I think I was reading that y'all are going to kind of switch up the tokenomics a little bit. Are y'all going to implement like a VE Alchemix token or I guess how does governance work and, and how do you see that changing in the future? Right now, governance is is done through snapshot and multisig and basically any like ALCX in your wallet or in your staking contracts or in the LPs all count towards governance. So we have different scripts that run that, that calculate how much ALCX you have in various places, and that, that's your voting total. 
going forward, we will have a, um, yes, a, a more full-fledged DAO with on-chain governance and, and all that fun stuff. We're more or less done our specification for the DAO now and development is, is underway uh, in earnest. And yes, we're going to have a, a modified V-curve tokenomic system. I don't want to get into all of the details, but it's going to address like the one concern that I have, or at least most of the concerns I have about uh, V-curve and the V-tokenomic system, which is kind of like making somebody a prisoner. I really hate that. Like you have to lock for four years and, you know, it gets more and more painful, like as your vesting, you know, like continues in the V-curve system because your voting power goes down linearly over time. You know, and then also your rewards and, and other things like that. So they once you're in, like, it's very hard to, you know, stomach through the process of getting out because there's so much lost opportunity costs in the process. So I really don't like that about it. So um, like in order to rectify that, there are two things that we're going to do in Alchemics. One is kind of taking a, a page from Andre's book and turn those into NFT positions. So people can transfer their, their V power to other people through, you know, swapping NFTs. And then the other one is a rage quit function where you can exit at any time and take a penalty based on how much time you have left locked in your, uh, you know, for, for your, uh, your V tokens. And then like whatever penalty is there, that would then get fed to the other V, v, uh, v token holders. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I mean, the, the index co-op, we've been playing around with different types of governance ideas and which one works best for our DAO. And yeah, it's it's interesting to hear y'all's strategy there and kind of the pros and cons, what you think of all those different types of governance strategies. Yeah, I think the gauge system, though, is like probably the most brilliant of it all. And I understand that the need to have like lock tokens to align incentives is, is there as well. We're actually planning to have two gauges in Alchemics. One for directing liquidity and like emissions and stuff. And then the other one would be for directing boosted yield. So right now in Alchemics, our, our transmuter module has like close to 200 million die in it. And that's all in yearn. And then all of the interest earned from that peg stability module um, is actually used to boost our users' yield for their uh, dye deposits in Alchemics. So that's why, like, if you're in right now for a dye, it says it's like 3% on their website. When you go to Alchemics, it's like, I think, 6 or 7% is because we we are able to boost the yield because of our, you know, a, additional principle in the, uh, the transmitter. In version 2, we're going to be upgrading the transmitter quite a bit. Right now, it's it only deploys this urine strategy, and it's kind of dumb. It makes money for the protocol and increases like the yield for our users, but it doesn't always align well with us and what we want to do. And so we're actually going to be kind of borrowing some ideas from Frax and make sort of like a pseudo AMO using our pick stability module, or at least the bounce in it. And that will basically allow us to take that 190 million die and just put it into our main liquidity pool single-sided because you can do, do single-side deposits on curve if we do that then the pool is going to be very heavy you know die usdc usdt and very light al usd which will create a premium and then they'll that'll drive a lot of tvl to alchemics just to try to arb that away so that that's that's something good and then when we 
have this, you know, if LUSD starts slipping, you know, on its peg, and since we own so much of the LP, we can just single site withdrawal LUSD from there to balance it. So it's going to be a big enhancement. And furthermore, if we have all that LP, if we put in our LP, like our transmitter balances in there, we, we would own literally like half of the LP for it. And then we could put that in convex and then use that to acquire more convex as a protocol. And then we can, um, you know, take a cut or take amount, some amount of CDX and curve that we get from farming it and use that uh, for boosted yield in our system. Since version two is going to have multi-collateral, multi-strategy, what we can do is boost individual strategies with a gauge using this extra, you know, yield from the, this, uh, uh, you know, transmitter strategy. So that, that'll be really cool. So imagine we, you can get like an extra 5% on your deposits, you know, if somebody get like max votes or you get the max allocation on there. And then that's going to be like really attractive, I think, for um, especially like yield aggregators and other protocols to have ALCX because then they're going to be able to, you know, have say in how much rewards get allocated to their platform, essentially. And that, that could be a way for them to boost their own TVL. And you have like choices and one of them is like gets all the boosted deal and the other ones don't. That that one with the boosted deal is going to be a lot more attractive. So. Yeah, it really just fascinates me like how sophisticated some of these treasury management strategies are developing in the DeFi world. And it's, you see this, I feel you see this more in the quote unquote DeFi 2.0 protocols than you do like I guess in the, in the blue chip or... Um, you know, the, the OG DeFi one protocols. Do you have any like theory as to why that might be? You know, a lot of these, like uh, the blue chip and stuff like that, they've kind of been grandfathered into a lot of different things. Like for example, DAI, like they don't have liquidity incentives for DAI and yet it's super liquid. And that's because Curve made the three Curve token, that's DAI, USDC, USDT, and then all these other protocols who want to establish pegs for their, their stable coins use three curve as like a and curve as a proxy in order to do that. And in the process, they're giving tons of liquidity to tether to USDC and to die and incentivizing that. So like uh, they kind of have, you know, that, that, you know, we were early. A lot of them did ICOs. So they also have flush treasuries, you know, already from, you know, when they got all their ETH at like a hundred dollars back in 2017. So, you know, if you look at something like Gnosis, for example, like they have a bigger treasury than Olympus Dow, but you know their market cap is tiny compared to their their treasury and stuff like that. So, what need do they have to be more efficient with their their capital, right? Whereas, like I think with these these new protocols, since we're not getting these these advantages of being grandfathered in, and you know, kind of the benefit of the Dow and like you know stuff like that, we we have to be very much more cognizant of sustainability of the protocols you know I, it kind of dawned on me um, last summer that if alchemix is going to continue at its current rate that our liquidity would not be sustainable because of mercenary farmers and things like that and so that's why we started moving towards uh, getting these kind of liquidity as a service tokens like tokenmec and cbx e-curve and also trying to acquire protocol-owned liquidity um, for the protocol as well. And also now this new AMO strategy that we are developing. So all these things are just trying to make us 
you know, we're, we don't want to build some like flash in the pan. This is good for like a year or two, and then it's time to dump it and move on to the new protocol type of thing. We don't want that at all. We want to build it so Alchemix is going to be relevant and a player for, for you know, all over a decade, if not longer. And in order to do that, we had to really address the sustainability problem of the, the yield farming. That's why we're going the route that we're going as far as being aggressive and acquiring protocol and liquidity. Yeah, well, you've actually uh, you've kind of painted that in a different color that I haven't really thought about it before. And, and that makes a lot of sense. So, Scoopy, I've got one more question for you and, and then I'll let you go. And we, we ask this of pretty much everybody that comes on the show. And, you know, what other projects are you looking at right now that, that you maybe you haven't mentioned yet uh, in this conversation that's, you know, really catching your eye lately? You know, I think everyone knows I'm pretty partial to the curve and tokamak ecosystems. There's a new lending protocol that's going to be coming out, slash stablecoin protocol. It's called Silo. Like, I think that's going to be something that's going to be pretty cool. I think that's being built on Arbitrum, if I'm not mistaken. And they're they're kind of similar to what Rarefuse is doing, is like a permissionless lending protocol. And I think that's really cool. Oh, yeah, there's one that I really like. It's It's very unknown, very little known. It's called Babylon. Dot finance and it's a basically it's like a, a build your own index or yield aggregator um, application so you can select what tokens go in and what strategies go in and then you know basically make your own you know urine essentially or urine pool and it can be something stable like you know only only number go up assets or it can be like an index something more you know aligned with you know what you guys are doing but then it's you know completely made by their own users and and stuff like that. So I think that's really cool. I really like permissionless systems um, at the end of the day, where people can use it as a design space to build on or do, it, do their own thing on it. And you know, that's also why I like Rary Fuse a lot as well. Yeah, we, we like the Rary guys quite a bit too. Yeah, that's that's another really solid protocol. Well, Scoopy, thanks for the alpha and uh, thanks for coming on the show today. Everyone in the audience who's listening live, thank you for listening live. This is being recorded, so we'll get this out and published in about a week. Scoopy, final word, where can people go to find out more about you and Alchemix? You can find me on Twitter, um, Scoopy Triples. Uh, that's S-C-U-P-Y-T-R-O-O-P-L-E-S, Scoopy Triples. Um, and I mean, I hang out on Discord and the Alchemics Discord quite a bit too. And you can go to Alchemics Discord, you can find Alchemics Twitter, and then there's a Discord link there or our website. Yeah, and, and join our community there if you, you know, are interested in, in you know, using Alchemics or trying out V2 when it comes out very soon, you know, and you want to learn more, then yes, please come to our Discord. We have tons of very helpful people who will help you learn anything that you need to know to get started. Awesome. Well, Scoopy, thanks again for being on the show out here for conversations with the co-op in the Index Co-op Discord. And I'll see you out there on Twitter. Thanks again. Thanks for having me.